This is Voices of Research. I am Mikael Tristadius, and you are listening to Radio Moreni. Right then, here we go yet again. Welcome, Asko Lehmuskallio. Thank you. So, you are a native Finn, but where from Finland are you from? Well, I've been born in Turku, but I only lived for a year there, then a few years close by. Then I lived for quite a while in Germany, in Hamburg. Then I came back to Finland and lived in the capital region, in Espoo, where I went to school in Helsinki. How did you choose this university, University of Tampere, or well, how did you end up here, in a way? Well, I did my studies in Germany, and I was very interested in visual studies and understanding the role of images and visuality. And when I moved back after my studies to Finland, um, mainly because of family reasons, there were not that many visual studies scholars in Finland. And one of the best known people or scholars in the field was working or still works at Tampere University. So I contacted him and we started collaborating. For how long have you been doing this collaboration in this university? Well, in the beginning, the scholar, he's Janne Seppanen, he helped direct my PhD thesis, which had been on hold for quite a while until the end. So I think we met in maybe 2000. 9 2010 and I finished the thesis in 2012 and then I went again abroad and while I was abroad I was in the US he had applied for funding and then suggested that I'd come to work to Tampere University with him in a research project and that's how it went on so I've been in Tampere then I've been going somewhere else then I've been again in Tampere <laughs> going somewhere else and all roads lead to Tampere so yeah to speak. exactly well, about research then, the opportunity sort of just appeared for you to do research. But was it planned at all ever that you'd become a researcher at some point or what just, just happened? I went to do my studies originally because I was interested in, in the phenomena that I went to study. So I studied culture anthropology and studies of religion and peace and conflict studies in Germany at Marburg. And the reason I went there was that I was just fascinated by the diversity of human experience and the ways in which we understand the world and act in the world and the kinds of reasonings behind it. And I I just found it exceptional that you could actually study that, that you could actually go to university and study those kinds of things. So I was interested and I think that kind of a motivation has kept me going on since then. So I think that's the reason why I like being a researcher. I'm just curious about things and research is a good place to be in if if you're curious (laughs) yes you are well pardon my possibly horrible translation to english the scientific leader of the research center comet supposedly comet is an abbreviation of words but of what words and what research is done there well comet is it's not a direct abbreviation but it's a research center for media and communication research. So the studies focus a lot on journalism, on media studies, on communication, on visual culture studies. And then 
there are some projects which are in a way linked to these kinds of fields, but the researchers might have a different kind of a self-understanding that they work on. And Comet is one of the largest research centers in media and communications, university research centers in the Nordic countries and in Europe. And it's built originally bottom up by researchers who were also just interested in doing research on media and communications and noticed that they actually can get funding for doing that kind of research and it's been growing ever since. Just out of curiosity, where does it reside? Does it have a headquarters or is it scattered all over the Nordic? No, the Comet Research Center is it's in Tampere University. It's a Tampere University Research Center. It's in the physically in the main building in the E section and the researchers mostly have their rooms on the second and third floors. There are some researchers who also have their, have their rooms in the Binni building, but basically that's the main place here in the main building, so not far away from Radio Moreni. <laughs> Let's take a look at your work then. New social research. What would you say that it is about? Well, New Social Research is a program, a research program, which was funded by the Academy of Finland and by then University of Tampere as part of one of these kinds of population fundings. And the initial idea was to get people from different kinds of backgrounds, disciplinary backgrounds together to rethink how to do social scientific research. So the people who got selected there came from philosophy, from sociology, science and technology studies, media and communication research, human-computer interaction, and other related fields. And the idea has been always somehow to rethink how we should be doing the kind of research that we do. And the people appointed to the new social research positions, they've been mostly appointed either as full professors, as associate professors, or then some as uh, university researchers. And then it's also a way of somehow seeing how the people who are appointed in the program might fit within the structures of Tampere University. So for example, myself, I got just very recently appointed as full professor in visual studies, something which the university did not have earlier. So new social research in a way allowed for experimenting and for seeing what kinds of things might be interesting and, and needed within the university. If I'm not mistaken, you have two projects going on at the moment, digital face and banal surveillance. Could you tell me more about them? Well, the digital face project is officially completed funding-wise, but I'm still continuing to be interested in the question of what happens to our physical faces as they transformed and moved into computing environments. And it's an interest which has to do with both, for example, the use of social media, taking pictures of other people, of ourselves, uploading them on the sites, the use of facial images for uh, uses of surveillance, for example, by surveillance cameras, or ways of using facial imaging for accessing different kinds of places like airplanes, for example, or paying with your face. And in that process, something is happening with the notion of our face. And the face is traditionally in the humanities research and social scientific research. It's considered to be one of the most fundamental aspects of sociality. 
but also of humanity. And these kinds of changes that happen due to the digitization of the face, due to the digital face, they provoke a lot of concern by some people and some get very excited about the kinds of opportunities. So it's a way to try to rethink what our faces in a way today are. And the Vanal Surveillance, that's a project which is funding-wise ongoing until the end of 2022. And it's a project which asks how come have particular modes of surveillance become taken for granted for particular kinds of people. So we've been looking at, for example, the history of the Finnish passport, if passport applications and moving across borders has a lot to do with tracing people, getting information data about them, collecting them into databases. And there are specific historical trajectories to these. And they are very fundamental political questions which affect people's everyday life if you are able to access a particular place or not, or if you are allowed to leave Finland, for example, or not, which has not always been the case. And we've been looking at other cases as well. So the implementation of intelligence legislation and the discourses around them in Finland, and then also trying to understand how so-called privacy vulnerables, how people who are particularly vulnerable in regard to data leakages and their personal privacy, how these kinds of changes which have been happening within Finnish society, but also society at large, have affected them. A little bit of backtracking to that uh, digital face project is that some people are concerned about the possible changes. What kind of concerns do they have? Well, the human face is considered in many places an organ, and it's one of the elements of our human bodies which we can't easily change. It obviously changes with age, as we age, and there are specific kinds of surgical operations which can be done, etc. But it's not something which we can easily change, as we could change a credit card in our pocket, for example, or or something else which we're just carrying around. So this kind of a tight interconnection, interrelation of our physical face to our human bodies is then a way mirrored in the use of our faces in digital environments as particular kinds of data models are created with which we can be identified when we walk on the street for example or individuals can be socially sorted into particular kinds of categories depending on the kinds of attributes that those doing this kind of social sorting think that might be relevant so the concerns have a lot to do with asymmetrical power relations, questions of privacy, questions of socially sorting people into different kinds of categories, and also within a way, a kind of a vulnerability which we have as human beings if our faces are in a way scarred or defaced or if they are made ridiculous, etc. Apart from the digital phase and banal surveillance, do you have any other current projects going on at the moment? Well, those are in the research world, obviously depends on the kind of discipline you work in. But usually you have these kinds of official funded research projects and they are very important for the kind of work that you do and which is usually done together with colleagues. So in both of these projects, I've been working with a lot of different colleagues and continue to do so. But then I think everyone 
has their kind of own research project as well, which somehow encompass some of the aspects in these bound projects which are dependent on funding. So I'm very interested myself in the interrelation between seeing and knowing how we think that when we see something that we would actually be sure that we know what we have seen, what it is. I'm also interested in just in these kinds of questions that uh, how do we actually know that we are able to see? What are the ways in which we become sure that we see and that we know what we're seeing? And it seems to me that there's an important part in our knowing is related to the importance of the people with whom we interact, particular kinds of communities of practice, but also the kind of media technologies and particular kinds of guiding documents, etc., which guide our attention in particular kinds of moments and situations so that we make sense of what we have seen in a particular way. And then we discuss it with other people either implicitly with very small cues or then actually explicitly that we start to discuss, well, what is it that we actually were just seeing? And I think that the interrelation between seeing and knowing is, I think it's one of the important aspects that trying to understand that helps us to understand why people behave in particular situations in specific ways and why they decide to follow, for example, particular kinds of ideas and ideologies, etc. What kind of a future do you see for your research topics? Well, I think the good and the bad thing about research is that it's never-ending. So I'm sure these kinds of questions on, for example, on the notion of the face or questions of elemental media, questions on the interrelation between seeing and knowing, they are questions that can be interrogated further. I don't see that they will come in a way to a final completion in themselves. They might get more and more complex and get more and more information in regard to them. So in that sense, personally, I see it's a solid research trajectory where there are many areas to work on. And I'm in a way not worried that there wouldn't be something which comes from my own kinds of research interests up that is important research-wise. But I also see that there are so many developments within society, within the environment, within the ecologies that we live in, which we might not think of. And then we have to start to think of them because they come with such a force. Now, like with the pandemic currently, or then with climate change, or with questions regarding societal rights for minority groups, etc. They are issues which Many people who have necessarily not been thinking a lot about them just need to take into account when they start to do their work because they become so important in a way from the outside as well. And I think that's something which is definitely going to happen still many, many times in our futures. Well then, thank you for joining us today, Asko Lehmuskolke. Thank you, Mikael.